Welcome to America's Commercial Real Estate Show, your source for market intel, forecasts, and strategies. Hello, I'm Michael Bull. Thank you for being with us. This segment is brought to you by CommercialAgentSuccess.com. Check it out. It is the ultimate in commercial real estate agent training. It's CommercialAgentSuccess.com. We're continuing our coverage of COVID and what that's doing to the market, how industry participants are dealing with it uh, and what to expect moving forward. Obviously, one of the sectors that's been hit really hard is the hotel, the hospitality industry. And, you know, questions kind of arise there. Uh, what is going on there really? And, and which hotels and markets are really hit hard? Uh, and which ones are performing better than you might expect? And then how long will these hotels suffer? What will happen? What, what are values? How, how do we underwrite a hotel today? Well, that's, we're going to get some answers to those kinds of things. Please welcome my guest. It's Mike Belisario. He's Director of Equity Research, it's Senior an Analyst with Baird, and he's uh, joining us on Zoom. Uh, Mike, uh, thanks for being with us again, sir. Thanks for having me, Michael. Well, Mike, my first question, I guess, is, is I'm curious, how are hotels really performing? We hear it's it's really bad, and, and, and is it, and is it across the board? Uh, it, it is definitely tough out there. Uh, the data is getting less bad. Uh, mm -hmm. we, we see that with Not TSA. better, just less bad. <laughs> yeah, but it, it, it's not broad-based. Uh, and I think the thing people forget is how important business travel and group and convention business is to hotels, hotel demand, hotel profitability. And that essentially is zero today. And it's going to be zero probably for the rest of the year and maybe even through the first quarter of next year. So I don't know if you've gone on vacation, but people can get in a car and you can drive six hours, 12 hours, and you could stay in a hotel in Florida, uh, Hilton Head, uh, Corpus Christi, Texas, Sedona. Uh, leisure travelers have ultimate flexibility today. And those hotels, those markets are doing quite well. But it's few and far between. And that's a very small percentage of the total hotel rooms in the U.S. So it, it, it's not broad-based. No one's really staying in hotels unless they absolutely have to in midtown Manhattan. Same in San Francisco and in Chicago. And a lot of those hotels are frankly closed. Yeah. Wow. Well, what's the prognosis? I mean, how long will these hotels suffer? I, I think it will be I think corporations, the bigger corporations, are going to be cautious. It's kind of a, a CYA mentality where you know they don't want to be the one that sends someone on the road to a, to a conference, to a sales kickoff, and a group of 25 people get sick. So I, I, I think the, the bigger the company, the more cautious they're going to be. I, I think it probably is next spring when we start to see the business travel thaw. It, it will certainly pick up post Labor Day. I think the most interesting thing we're looking forward to is the, the data we see today, it should be getting better. Cities are opening, states are opening, the leisure traveler has ultimate flexibility to go wherever. And frankly, a lot of people still have their jobs or are getting government assistance to, to, to pay for a, a trip if they need to. But I, I think when everyone goes on their vacation now that they missed from the spring and then they go on their year end or their, their end of summer trip, what happens post Labor Day? Does the business traveler come back? My gut is no. In worst case scenarios, people start to go back to the office, so they don't have that flexibility, but they're also still at the same time not traveling for work. So I, I, I think it's gonna be a long time to get back to prior peak profitability levels. And in terms of the, the, the data we see today, I don't wanna say it's misleading, 
but there's only a, a, a certain percentage of the segments uh, of, the, of the demand pie that's back at leisure. And it's in very specific markets. It's not broad based and the leisure traveler alone cannot cause the hotel industry to recover, right? If you travel for business once a week, you, I would love to say I could go on vacation once a week, but I'm, I'm pretty sure 99.9% .9 of people out there can't do that. That's true. I, I definitely travel more for business than, uh, than pleasure. I wish it was the other way around. So it sounds like some of these uh, destination hotels or some of these places where they, where they are opened up or having visitors and are doing okay, then they're starting to pick back up. Like I guess Vegas is opened back up, right? Yeah, uh, Vegas is opening back up. Some of the casinos, are, I think they're back to 50% capacity. But uh, Vegas is tough because a lot of the business there is not just gambling. They've, they've moved away from that over the years. They've made it more entertainment, more shows, and that's a big driver of it. So it, Vegas will come back because you can drive there from a lot of different places. But the, the, the biggest thing is the 1,000-person conventions, the 5,000-person big trade shows that happen in Vegas that that's just, it's going to be tough. And maybe a few of them do happen. Maybe they happen at 50% capacity because half the people want to fly or drive and the other half don't. When you're at 50% capacity, you're not at 50% profitability too. I think that's the thing people forget is you know, if your hotel is open and you're running at 30% occupancy and you're in an urban market, you're, you're probably at break even, maybe. And, and there's a bit of an S-curve there. We're still on that first part of the S-curve where, unfortunately, the, the profitability of, uh, is still negative. Yeah. Well, how are the brands dealing with this, Mike? Uh, you know, there's some, some big brands that have been in this business for a long time. Uh, they're hurting, not as much as the owners. Right. The, the best part about the brand business is they get paid on the top line and they don't have to bear the, the bottom line costs that, that the owners do. But they have all slashed uh, headcount. Uh, Hyatt, Marriott, just the other day, Hilton announced 2,000 plus corporate jobs. And some of those, I think, will ultimately come back two years, three years down the road. You just don't need as many franchise sales and development people today, but they are significantly right-sizing their corporate structure. And, and the thought is, the owners, do they have the support from the big brands to be able to do things that they need to do? And, and the owners say yes, but I, I've heard from a lot of people that you know, my point person's gone or my point person is furloughed and uh, yeah, I can make another phone call, but the, the brands are suffering. I think the, the silver lining here is the big brands are probably going to get bigger and stronger after this because the small brands probably don't survive. And it's not just true for hotels. It's probably for all businesses now, right? The, the, the bigger, better capitalized companies are going to come out of this bigger and better than they were before this. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of these companies uh, will come out kind of leaner, kind of meaner and, and maybe you know some best practices. I know just in our own business, uh, we've just really increased our efficiency and productivity. And I imagine hotels are no different, right? Yeah, and I think that's right. And some of the, you got to remember about the brands, their growth engine is not RevPAR. It's net units. And keep an eye on the, the financing market, the construction market. Take a look at the skyline and look at the cranes. Uh, development will come back. And I, I think the biggest thing is what, what lender today wants to lend on a new build hotel project. They, they got plenty of problem hotel loans today. We, we don't need another speculative development loan. So I think that's part of the reason you're seeing them be able to cut so many costs is because the development pipeline is going to be slow for 24, 36 plus months, just like it was in 2010, 11, and 12. 
Yeah, and and the lack of financing obviously really hurts values. And you know, what do you expect? What do you see for values at the moment? How do we underwrite these things? Well, I think what's different today versus 2008, 9, and 10 is the banks are in much better shape, right? The banks were the problem then. They're not necessarily the problem now. They're actually part of the solution now. So that, that's a silver lining that maybe the financing market does come back a little bit quicker this time uh, than it did uh, 10, 12 years ago. It, it's tough. You can look at 2019 values. What was your pre-COVID value and just take a round haircut to that. Is it, is it 10? Is it 20? Is it 30%? It's probably more 20, 25%. People are doing that. We're looking at DCFs. Your guess is as good as mine, what 2023, four, five, six EBITDA is going to look like and discounting that back. But uh, there's lots of different ways to slice it and dice it. There's no shortage of ways to try to value properties. I think the toughest part about transactions today though is the institutional quality trades that a lot of private equity funds and the REITs that I cover want to go after their cash burn today. And no one wants to buy a hotel and put more money into it on day one. So I think you'll, you'll, you'll start to see the transaction market thaw aside from the financing market, just when you have a better sense of where does the cash burn stop and then underwrite from there. And maybe by that point, six months from now, nine months from now, the, the financing market will be a bit better. But uh, the people I've talked to that are doing underwriting buy all cash, put a 40, 50% LTV loan on it six, nine months from now, and then refi it two years thereafter to get to their levered IRR targets. But most people are underwriting unlevered because it's, it's just too expensive. It doesn't make sense. And what lender wants to lend on a hotel that's still cash burn? Yeah. Yeah. That, we were just underwriting a hotel uh, yesterday and spent a lot of time on it. And uh, we have a hotel division here. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a little difficult to see you got to ascertain what what performance going to look like in in 2021 and in 2022 and i guess it's uh you know it's a lot of it's kind of based on what happens around covid right it, it is and I, and I think like any cycle demand will come back and my gut is in 2023 if we're looking back at this conversation or what the world was pricing in three months ago we'll kind of chuckle and say, wow, that was crazy. The world in 2023 is much more like it was in January, February of 2020 than we would have ever thought because people have short memories and yeah, that's a long way away from now. I, I got to remind myself we're only in what week 16 of, of this, I think. And it feels like month 16. Uh, but I, I do think things will bounce back. It's just a matter of time. And the toughest part is being patient, right? Everyone's cooped up yeah. at home. Everyone's looking at their, I look at my computer screen every day and I see the stocks, you know, some of them down six, seven, eight percent today. The world didn't change six, seven, eight percent overnight, but that's the world I live in. <laughs> that's right. And it, it seems like there could be some pent up demand. You know, you mentioned you know, at home and kind of looking at it and, I, and I've been at home some and, and uh, been in my office a lot too, but you know, as you look at these ads and you see the uh, the resorts, and it seems like that leisure could uh, rebound because we're all so ready to get out, right? Yeah, I, I think that's right. You you look at the the few markets that I mentioned earlier, the, the Florida markets, Arizona, certain parts of Texas, anywhere. If you got a family and two young kids or three young kids, draw a six hour circle around my house. Where can I drive before the kids start screaming? <laughs> I, I, I'm in Chicago. Let's go to the Ozarks for a long weekend. I'm in LA. Let's go to Palm Springs or let's, let's get in the car and go eight hours to Sedona. I think everyone has done that and is doing that. 
And sure. But at the same time, the, the, the data that I find frustrating is the data is getting less bad week over week, year over year, but it should be getting less bad. And we are in a high leisure travel part of the year, June, July, and August. And hotels are still closed. So occupancy is higher than it otherwise would be. And rate integrity is, is still held up. But at some point, rates will start to fall because they lag. And I think people are missing a few of those points that, that, that you can't just hockey stick the, uh, the recovery and occupancy. And I've seen some charts that say, hey, six more weeks of this increase, we'll be back to, to pre-COVID levels. It's like, well, yeah, demand is a little bit lower in February than it is in, in, in July, right? That, that's the seasonality and people are ignoring that. So I think there'll be a reality check when we start to see the occupancy levels start to flatten off and that's kind of the new normal. Uh, and it's probably sometime later this summer around Labor Day but it all comes back to the business transient traveler, right? You, you can only go on vacation so many times if you have a job. And we're keeping an eye on all these, the white collar jobs that are starting to get cut, the furloughs that are becoming permanent job cuts. And that's, that's concerning. And how many people continue to work from home and don't travel or travel 10 or 15% less. So it, 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 it goes back to your underwriting question. It's very difficult to, to handicap. But those are all things stock investors and property investors are thinking about today. And 2021 is still going to be a very challenging year. Yeah. And we should note that this is June 17th. Uh, as we're putting this show out today, uh, things are changing so quickly. And, and you mentioned the market and the changes there. How are the uh, public companies uh, doing in the hospitality world? They're, they're hanging in there. Uh, the Hyatt, Hilton, Marriott, all the big brands, they've all fixed their balance sheets. They've all done uh, bond deals. Thank you to the Fed for that Fed put to support uh, the credit market. So uh, Marriott's done two bond deals actually already. Um, they've sold credit card points and they've really bolstered their balance sheets. So they're, they're in good shape to weather the storm. The REITs, on the other hand, they're all treading water. They're, they're all burning cash. Their balance sheets are fine. Their lenders have given them a lot of flexibility. But at some point, they're going to have to fix the balance sheet because 12 months from now, 18 months from now, it's going to be hard to, to buy properties and to renovate them when you're at eight times, nine times, 10 times leverage. And they'll, they'll have to raise equity. They'll have to sell some properties. But for now, they're, they're barely keeping their head above water. Yeah. What would you leave our audience with uh, around the country, Mike? Uh, to think about moving forward in the hospitality world today? Get back out on the road and travel. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking about the guests. How about yeah. the owners and operators? Uh, I, I think the most important thing is everyone's facing the same problems. Mm -hmm. And the lenders have been very flexible. Uh, the brands have been flexible. Right? This is, in a way, no one's fault. And the toughest thing is just with the, the stock prices I mentioned and the, the moves, you got to be patient. And, and things take time to recover, but, but they will recover just like they always do. Yeah, I mean, it uh, seems like sometimes your people are afraid to, to buy when the market's down um, and the values are down. And this may be a great time to, to buy, but I guess you're always trying to figure out, well, how long is this rebound going to take and uh, where should I be price-wise? And, and the toughest thing, when I have conversations with mm -hmm. private industry contacts, they look at the stock market and they see the V rebound and they don't see that in hotel fundamentals. And there's a little bit of a mismatch between Main Street and, and Wall Street right now. And maybe that normalizes a bit over time. 
but I think the distressed opportunities, there's a lot of money out there. I've talked to a lot of people that are pivoting from multifamily to hotels. Where's the distress? Where's the stress? We haven't seen it yet because leverage doesn't matter and everyone's getting a free pass. But in three months, six months, nine months from now, when lenders have to start picking winners and losers, that's when you'll start to see some interesting properties, I think, come to market and you'll have four sellers because the lenders are going to say enough is enough. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. We've seen a few uh, hotels that uh, were kind of having some issues before COVID um, and those are on the market and they're discounted even more. Uh, so we're starting to see some activity uh, for opportunistic buyers, but uh, I agree with you. If, if everybody's getting a free ride, you know, who's going to sell today at, at a big bargain anyway, right? Yeah, and I, and I think that the toughest thing about the, the markets that were already challenged before this, in a way, yeah, the prices are down, but the problem just got exacerbated by this. And, and New York City, for example, could be a really, really interesting long-term buy, but New York City already had problems before this. And until there's some clarity around fixing those problems on top of the demand problems we now have on top of that, it, it makes it almost a kind of no-touch market for a lot of people too. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see when transactions start to occur, where do they occur? Are they in the, the troubled markets at huge discounts or are they in the, what were the good markets that have rebounded faster? Was the New York uh, trouble uh, oversupply? Supply, Airbnb, um, union labor, it just, it, profitability was challenged across the board. Yeah, okay. All right, Mike, great information, sir. Thank you for joining us. Perfect, thanks for having me, Michael. If you'd like more information from them, check out the, their website. The company's called Baird, B-A-I-R-D. And thank you for joining us around the country. Please let us know what you think. Thank you for sharing the show. Thank you for connecting with us on your favorite social media. Until next time, be sure you lead, learn, and laugh. And join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. the show? Consider referring business or doing business with our sponsors. Bull Realty is a commercial real estate sales, leasing, and advisory firm doing business throughout the Southeast, headquartered in Atlanta. Visit bullrealty.com for more information. Commercial Agent Success Strategies provides video training for commercial agents. This training gets five-star reviews from even the most experienced brokers. Learn more at commercialagentsuccess.com. You're invited to connect with us on your favorite social media. You can find us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. Don't miss a show of special interest to you. Be sure and subscribe to the show on YouTube and Apple Podcasts. And at the show website, CREshow.com, you can subscribe for a weekly email announcing the show topic and guest. While you're there, you also found more videos and podcasts. Thank you for watching or listening to America's Commercial Real Estate Show.